and... This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio, hanging out here live in Club Pod on Clubhouse with the man himself, Mr. Guy Kawasaki, Jim Keller hanging out here as well. Let me just go ahead and make you a moderator guy before I forget. And Jin, let me make you a moderator as well. I am going to switch locations okay. because I can't get something to work over here. All right. Not a, not a problem at all. Not a problem. Go ahead and switch things out. Do what you got to do. We're just hanging out here. Good to have you here. If this is your first time hanging out with us here in Club Pod, welcome, welcome, welcome. Great having you here. Make sure you put your thumb there on that little green house, and that way you'll get notifications. You'll be able to join us. You'll be a member. Perhaps uh, you may be a follower. You got to actually follow my account first, which is at podcast. And then if you join the club, uh, then you'll actually be able to join as a member. And make sure you put that little notification bell on, and you'll get notified whenever we go live here in Club Pod. And so super excited because today, Jen Keller and I, Jen, if you don't know Jen, you got to know Jen. You got to follow Jen. Can everybody show Jen some love? And, uh, and and definitely give Jen a, a follow here. If you don't know Jen, you got to know Jen. She is our category director for society and culture in podcast magazine. So if you have a podcast that is under the category of society and culture, you definitely want to know Jen because she is our category director. As a matter of fact, Jen sat down with Guy Kawasaki uh, not too long ago, and they had a phenomenal interview, just phenomenal article, really great job on that, Jen. And, uh, and so that is actually in the February uh, edition, the February issue, actually our one-year anniversary issue of Podcast Magazine. So definitely check that out. And let me do this, Guy. It looks like you are back hanging out with us. What is going on? Mr. Kawasaki, how are you, sir? Well, first, let's establish that you can really hear me. <laughs> we can really hear you. You are good to go. I will turn my volume down a little bit, though, because it sounds like I'm going to blast you out here. So let me just take mine down a little bit. There you go. Well, this is one of the mysteries of my life because I have two places where I broadcast from in my house. Both of them have Roadcaster Pros and I think set up identically. And I cannot hear (laughs) Clubhouse at Roadcaster 2, but I can at Roadcaster 1. And for the freaking life of me, I swear <laughs> to God, they are set up identically. And I have been futzing with this all afternoon. Oh, and man. It's starting to really piss me off. Well, you live just up the road for me, man. So I'll, uh, I'll drive up. I'll give you a hand with that. We'll figure, okay. we'll figure, we'll figure all that out, man. <laughs> and you know, it's going to be some setting, some place that, Yes. Whatever. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, you I sound good you, now. Please, sir. I'm kind of new to audio. Audio is just voodoo, man. <laughs> it's like which connector, which cable is it? TRS, TRRS. TRRS, yeah. 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 Do you want to compress or not compress? And, you know, like Roadcaster has, is it solo or not solo? Are you broadcasting, not broadcasting? Is your slider high enough? Is Like what controls the volume of the headphone? Well, which headphone jack? I mean, it is 
I'm amazed it works at all. But anyway, this is not a bitch session about audio. <laughs> but and holy this, cow. And this this is this is the part of the program here, folks, where we humanize Guy Kawasaki. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Man. Oh yeah. man, it's great to it's great to reconnect. You and you and I connected, I want to say maybe it was almost eight years ago or so. Uh, whatever it was, doesn't matter. But the um, <laughs> at that time, I was writing a book called What Is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do. And uh, we had a chance to sit down and talk about just how you're naturally wired to excel and what comes as naturally to you as breathing and what your what looks like. And and, and I'll tell you, man, it was uh, it, it was a highlight. I mean, really, I, you know, you, you meet a lot of people. I've interviewed a lot of people over the years. And uh, and I really enjoyed our conversation then. I'm looking forward to our conversation well, today. You. Yeah. Yeah, I've discovered sure. that my what is podcasting. I love podcasting. Yeah, you know what? So so here's the fun thing, right? So your what is comprised of of the of, of the, your core gift, and this is again what's in your sort of DNA, if you will. It's, it's how you're naturally wired to excel. The primary vehicle you use to share that gift, and then the people that you're most compelled to serve. And so your your gift is stagnant. That that'll really stay with you throughout your entire life, as I like to say. Your what? has chosen you. It's not that which you have chosen. So, I mean, it's really in your your DNA, but the the vehicle that you use to share that gift, and for you, it's probably communicating or teaching or something of that nature. We can get into that perhaps. And so there's the vehicle that you use to share that gift, and then there are the people that you're most compelled to serve. The vehicle and the people, those can be more, uh, more organic and, and more fluid and can certainly change over time. And I think it's a great segue into the conversation here in terms of looking back on your on your career and let's just say 20 years ago, going back a couple of decades, who do you think those people were that you were most compelled to serve then? And who do you think are the people that you are most compelled to serve now? Well, first, if I may interject something, it's not, if I, if I understood you right, that the what or the, the talent is sort of in DNA and locked and loaded. Is that what you said? Did I get that? You did. So... Yeah. So each of us, we each have an inherent gift. Like it could be teaching, it could be yeah. healing, it could be enrolling, it could be entertaining, it could be communicating. But the but the vehicle that you use, so if somebody's natural gift is healing, yeah. then perhaps the vehicle that they use at one part of their career is is massage, right? And perhaps <laughs> at a later point of their career, it could be Reiki or something of that but, nature. But I have to say, my reaction to that is... Um, I'm a believer in the growth mindset, the theory of Carol Dweck in her book, Mindset, which is a seminal work in the field. And, you know, there may be shades of um, distinction here, but I don't believe that you're set with a certain amount of skills and that's it. And, you know, you either got it or you don't. I think you can develop skills. You can change. So you're talking about skills and skills can be acquired. Gifts, okay. gifts are inherent to who you are. You, it's, it's almost like the same conversation, and maybe it will go down a different path. Do you think <laughs> entrepreneur? Do you think entrepreneurs are made, or are they born? Made. Yeah. So it becomes that nature versus nurture. So in the nature versus nurture conversation, you believe that that can be nurtured, and what I would argue is that nature is going to win all day long. It may show up in different ways, but in terms of the skills, you can acquire skills for sure. All day long. Yeah. But in terms of your yeah. gifts, those are inherent to who you are. Huh. Well, then we'd have to get into a discussion about what is a gift. Because, um, and then we're going to have to get into a discussion of what is undiscovered versus discovered. Mm. But I don't. Hmm. So what gifts would you say that you've discovered then over the course of the last 
you know, and certainly over the course of your life, but more specifically well, than over the course of the last couple of decades? Well, I would say that the primary determinant of my success has been grit or grittiness, okay? So the willingness to work hard. Now, are you saying that I was born with grit or that I could develop grit? Well, now, grit's a whole different discussion, and I would say that grit can be a matter of circumstance. You are either forced to have grit or it is inherently a part of who you are. So circumstance, in, in large measure, in my way of thinking, determines the amount of grit that you demonstrate today versus yesterday versus next week. Um, but, but you do believe that some people are inherently born with more grit than others? I do believe that certain people are absolutely wired to excel in, in ways that are different from other people. Absolutely. For sure. Huh. Huh. You I can put two. Remember. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I was no, just going to say, <laughs> go ahead. It's a, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're 6'11", you're probably more likely to play in the NBA than if you're, you know, 4'11", and that you're born with, but... Um, Those are physical attributes. The, yeah, the, the but grit... You know, a physical attribute is a gift, right? I mean, there is... Can be. Some people have more fast-switch muscle than others. For sure. Huh. Anyway. And, and, well, no, but it's a great conversation, too, because, you know, this talks about why you have achieved a certain level of success in your career, given the gifts that you've been given when you've readily admitted, and, and you've you know said this in over interviews over the course of time, that you don't consider yourself to be exceptional in, in, in ways that would make you... The person that people look at and go, man, you know, look at this guy. Of course, it's going to work. For, like, you've always kind of had that. I'm just a normal guy. But why have you had such an extraordinary level of success when you even consider yourself to be just kind of a normal guy? Um, hmm. That's, uh, yeah, it's, it's getting, it's, uh, it's getting a little too meta for me because, <laughs> um, you know, in, in one sense... Let's talk about the I art of the be, start. <laughs> yeah, I guess in in one sense, I don't believe, quote-unquote, anybody is normal. Mm. That everybody has strengths and weaknesses, so there is no normal. I mean, or, or, or I would say the normal is the abnormal, and it's... Um, anyway, well, I'll tell you one thing, maybe this is an aside, but... Uh, now that I'm 66 years old, I have come to believe that basically everybody you meet can do something better than you. So uh, you know, one should not be so cocky because, you know, you may think you're intellectually superior to somebody cleaning your yard or, you know, whatever. Um, but I'm telling you that person cleaning your yard may make better casseroles than you or yeah, maybe sure. a better surfer than you and you know everybody you meet can do something better than you you are not inherently superior yeah and yeah just like perfect yeah i love that one of my favorite expressions is to a second grader a fifth grader is a god <laughs> right? i mean if you think about it, it's hilarious right because like what did you know in second grade yeah. and what did you know in fifth grade but when yeah. you were in second grade you would have paid anything Right, just to be that fifth grader, sure. to be able to walk the halls and know what that fifth grader knows, and like to already have gone through second, third, and fourth, and part of fifth yeah. grade, right? You would have given anything. Well, St probably to Eric Trump. Donald Trump is a god. <laughs> and we just lost half the audience. There you go. Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can deal with that. Oh, what are they going to do? Not listen to my free podcast? Yeah, right. Uh, let's t- let's talk about remarkable people. I mean, that's uh, uh, see, there you go, man. You are you, you spoken like a true podcaster. You segued right into the next segment. <laughs> so let let's let's do this, man, because it's a great question. And what does make remarkable people different than even what we're doing right now in terms of this sort of interview show? Well, uh, my answers would be more cogent, but <laughs> that's one. <laughs> So I think what separates remarkable people from most podcasts is the quality of my guests. And I would say that my guests rank in the top five or 10 of all podcasts. Uh, if you, and for example, you know, I have Jane Goodall, Margaret Atwood, Martha Stewart, Ariana Huffington, Christy Yamaguchi, Stephen Wolfram, MacArthur Award winner, Angela Duckworth, MacArthur Award winner, uh, Steven Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, uh, Steven Pinker, MIT uh, psychology professor, uh, yeah. Vivek Murthy, Surgeon General under the Obama administration and probably under the Biden administration, Andrew Yang, presidential candidate. I mean, I can just go on. Uh, CEO of Hint, CEO of Fry Farms, CEO of Business Chicks, uh, Sean Thompson, world's best surfer in the 70s. So that's the quality of my guest. And uh, I would put my guest list up against Joe Rogan, Terry Gross, anybody. Sure. Uh, I like to tell people that my podcast is NPR without the pledge drive. Mm. And you can have great guests, but you can still have a crappy show. Like there are a well, lot of people yeah. who are able to attract really great guests. <laughs> and, and, and look, man, you listed out a lot of very cool people. It doesn't mean the show is going to be, you know, it's, it's got to be reflective ultimately True. of who you are. And why people are going to tune in week after week, hopefully shouldn't be for the people that you bring on, but the questions and the conversation that you have. So let's talk about it then from that perspective. Like, I mean, as an example, Jen's going to be sitting down here with uh, Jane Goodall for for a podcast magazine feature. By the way, did you see your, did you see your, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Did you see your podcast magazine feature, by the way? Yes. Did you like it? Yes. Yes, very much so. Okay, good. <laughs> very much so. Yes. So, so what would make what your say no? Yeah, right, I know, right. So, what would make your <laughs> it's conversation? About me. How can it be it that? is about you. I know. We we debated long and hard about putting you on the cover, and then in the end, I put me on the cover. So there you go. Um, so <laughs> it was the one year anniversary issue. What else am I going to do? The team was like, "We got to put you on the cover." I'm like, "But it's Guy Kawasaki." They're like, "No, it's you." I'm like, "Okay, fine. well, it's you know, it's your magazine." <laughs> so, so what would make your interview with Jane Goodall then different? than the same interview that Jin may have here in, in just a couple of weeks with her. Well, Jin could listen to my interview and do it better. <laughs> you know, there is that. That's like Microsoft copying Macintosh. You get to copy the other person. So, you know, it, but there is a skill in knowing um, what to copy. Just as you know, Steve Jobs had to go to Xerox Park and know what to steal. You know, he, mm. he didn't steal the, he didn't steal, let's say some of the, uh, inferior parts of the user interface of the Xerox Park machine. Yeah. So, um, I think the the thing that very few people talk about with Jane Goodall is the um, fact that her mom was a big influence in letting her take a lot of risk as a young girl going to Africa. So that's number one. Her mom supported her a, a great deal. And number two, you know, if, if you didn't know better, you'd think, okay, so Jane Goodall probably has a PhD in biology 
you know, rock star at Oxford, rock star at Cambridge, you know, something like that, right? And intern at the Museum of Natural History, blah, 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 right? Well, if you find out, the truth is that the reason why she got her position with the Leakies in South Af or Africa is not because of her exquisite educational background, but because she had secretarial skills. Mm -hmm. So she trained in secretarial skills in school and the leakies needed a secretary and that's how she got her job so the lesson is not if you want to be jane goodall learn how to type the lesson is get in any way that you can yeah and it doesn't matter how you get in it matters what you do once you're in and if it's secretarial skills or programming or user interface design or tech support or mm -hmm. it administration administrative aid, summer, intern, whatever it is, just get in. Yeah, but the, the, the important part there that I, that, that I want to make sure people are not glossing over is that what you're saying, reading between the lines, is you've done your research in a lot of ways that most hosts just don't do. Like, I just went to Wikipedia, and I'm like, okay, Gag Kawasaki, here we go. Now I'm just messing with you. Of course, I didn't just do that. But, <laughs> but you know, but the, but the reality is, because I heard you talk and, about that the other that's day. that's more than most podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the reading between the lines here is you do your research in, in such an extensive way that the conversations that you have go to places that most other podcast hosts won't go to. Well, yeah, I mean, and that comes back to grit, right? So, yeah, uh, I, I listen, I've been on both sides of the podcast equation as the interviewer and the interviewee. And you can definitely tell when somebody just read my Wikipedia entry and you know, haven't read any of my books, haven't watched any video, any anything. So I'll tell you a little podcast secret. <laughs> so my podcast secret is... Um, I work very hard. First of all, I spend two or three hours at least researching every guest. And um, my, my initial question, the very first question of the interview, the purpose is primarily to signal to the guest that Guy is prepared and Guy has done the research. So I'll give you some examples. So when I interviewed Angela Duckworth, MacArthur Award winner, um, professor and just an amazing, you know, author of the book called Grit, since we're on the G word tonight, uh, called it the G spot. So my first question to her was, is your daughter still taking viola lessons? Now, out of the blue, you saying, what the hell guy? What, what, like, what, how did you know her daughter was taking viola lessons? Why does it matter? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I dare say, if you go to the Wikipedia entry for Angela Duckworth, there is not a line in there about her daughter takes viola lessons, okay? That's not in Wikipedia. So how did I get that? I got that out of doing research because one of the concepts in her book is that in the Duckworth family, you always have to have something hard that you're doing. And doing something hard means it's something that doesn't come naturally. You have to practice at it. And it has to challenge you, but you should still enjoy it. Those are kind of the tests for the Duckworth family hard uh, task. And she mentions in her book that viola is what passes, you know, that requirements for the hard thing for her daughter. 
And so this book was written two or three years ago. So I asked her, is your daughter still taking viola? So what I want to happen is I want Angela Duckworth to say, uh-huh. So clearly he did read the book because he would only know that my daughter takes viola lessons. If he read the book, this guy is prepared. And from then on, um, the interview can just flow because you have set yourself up for success by saying, I didn't just read a Wikipedia entry. I didn't just get handed a fact sheet by a producer. He actually did the work. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, real quick here, if you go to Jin's uh, bio, mm -hmm. there is a link, and this is for everyone here, this, there is a link in her bio. Uh, is that on your Instagram page, Jen? Is that where the, just wanna make sure yes. we're clear. Okay, on your Instagram page. So if you, so make sure you follow Jen, please. Again, our society and culture director, category director for uh, podcast magazine. Uh, go to Jen's Instagram link, and in that bio of her Instagram link, there, is, there, I'm sorry, there is a link in the Instagram bio that will take you to LinkedIn where you can actually have a live conversation with us right now. And so we're going to open up the stage here in a bit to give you guys the opportunity to ask questions of guys. So I will do that. Uh, and by the way, one of the ways that we do that and bring people up to the stage, if this is your first time hanging out with us in Club Pod, we love it when you guys show some love to the club by switching out your profile picture to represent Club Pod. So I'm going to do the pull to refresh when you guys have the opportunity here to raise your hand, to come up, to ask guy a question, the first people that I'm going to bring up are those who do switch over the profile image to Club Pod again. We just love it when you show some love to the club here in Club Pod. Not mandatory, but I know we're going to have a limited amount of time here. I want to try to get to as many questions as I possibly can. Those are the people that we're going to bring up first. So go take a photo of that, change out your profile image, or do the pull to refresh, and then we'll be good to go on that. So wait, Steve, yes. how do people, how do people do that? Watch how do this. They get, how Watch. do they get, I see it's happening, but yeah. how do they get it? Watch this. So all they're going to do, so you can start to see it like Rob and Angel and Justin yeah. and Raven and Kelly. Yeah. So what they're going to do is when you click on your, so here's what you got to do for the first thing, guys, you have to follow me. I'm just going to keep saying that until you do. <laughs> I'm going to figure out how to get you to follow me. I've been trying uh -huh. that. I've been, I've been stalking you now for three, two and a half months on here. Um, so you go to your profile picture and what you want to do is you just want to take a screenshot elsewhere. Yeah. So like somebody can go to my profile, take a yeah. screenshot of that, and then yeah. they will literally just go ahead and swap out their profile picture temporarily. They'll change it back after we're done here. And that's, that's all they do. And, and it's just, it's the same way you have your profile picture there. They just take a screenshot of club pod somewhere online here, or, you know, in clubhouse. Uh, and then they frame it out and they'll, and they'll upload it as their, as their profile uh -huh. pic. So yeah, it works out pretty, pretty cool. As a matter of fact, let me go ahead and let me open up the hand raising right now. Um, so do, that everyone, you know how, how I pick who I take questions from in my clubhouse, I would love first? to hear, please go ahead. Okay. So questions, hand raising is on. So again, but the okay. first people we're going to bring up are those who show some love to the club, but, okay. uh, yeah. How do you do it guy? How do you do it? Okay. I guarantee you nobody else has the balls or ovaries to do it this way in clubhouse. So what I do is I only allow women to ask questions. Oh, I remember and you my saying logic that. is that the voice of women have been silenced for so long that in my little speck of the universe, I am going to bend over backwards to give women the podium, the stage, and the voice to be heard. So in my clubhouse rooms, only women get to ask questions. And I guarantee you, Elon Musk and Mark Andreessen mm. and nobody else does it that way. 
Yeah, you're right. All right, Justin, sorry, man. I got to let you go, brother. <laughs> 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 <It's> a, <laughs> Justin, say a quick hello, and then I'm going to let you go, man. How, how, how can I not do that? Say hey real quick. Oh, yeah. Thank, no problem. Uh, I like I like what you're doing, though, guy. That's a, it's unique. You have a unique angle, and unique angles are always good, so no problem. There you and, go. Uh, how, yeah. so I, there's no way in hell. I couldn't possibly do that. Okay, goodbye, Justin. Why, Why couldn't you do that? No, I'm going to do that. No, I'm saying there's no way in hell that I couldn't possibly just bring up women now. Like, you, you, set, this, you, know, you set the bar where it needs to be set. So, okay, so ladies represent, and uh, we're going to get guys some questions here. Uh, all right, so let me let me just ask you a couple more questions. And, and again, the hand raising is open. If you want to come up and ask Guy Kawasaki a question, uh, feel free to do that. All right, let me ask you this, uh, Guy. So you've obviously been in the, the tech world uh, for a long time, and you've seen a lot of startups come, go, this, that, and the other. So which which is harder, raising good kids or launching a profitable business nowadays? Raising good kids. Yeah? Do tell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not even close. And so what makes it, what makes it harder in, in your way of thinking? Because, I mean, you seem like you got, the, your demeanor is, is such that, I mean, come on, man, you seem laid back, you seem cool, like, just, like, you would be like an ideal dad. Why, why would that be complicated for you? <laughs> Maybe because I am laid back. That is. <laughs> well, then there's that, right? Yeah. Listen, yeah. I, do you have kids? I do, 17 and 14. 14. Okay. Well, first of all, you, you you really haven't experienced full-on parenting, in my humble opinion, until the kids outnumber the parents, mm. right? Because like right now, even right now, I mean, they're older, so there's, you know, less maintenance theoretically. But as they were growing up, you could always be man-to-man, to use a basketball term, right? So was, there's two defenders and two offensive players. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really get interesting with kids until you have to play zone, where the offensive players outnumber the defenders. So when it's you and your wife and there's more than two kids, that's when it gets interesting. Mm. And the people who have one kid, that's you can double team that kid. That's we, even easier. It's just like having a pet. You know, I mean, it's, it's cute, but it's like having a pet. It's like, it's like my wife and I talk about it. It's like, you know, if you got one kid, that's kind of cute. You got a pet. Now, if you got yeah. two kids or more, okay, now now we're a little more on the same wavelength and we it's can four talk. Four times harder. Right? And then double that up with, okay, so if you've got more than one kid, so you got two kids and you've been married for more than 20 years like we have, okay, now yeah. we now we can now we can talk. Because now we got things we like we understand each other. You know what I'm saying? So Well, I got yeah. married in 1986 and we have four kids. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we're 87 right behind you no we're 97 no you're much longer okay um let me do this angel uh who is awesome and amazing and i'm really glad you're here she is our category director for podcast magazine for arts uh let's open it up angel what's your question for guy well hello guy thank you so much for all that you are doing to elevate celebrate and spotlight the voices of women I just want to applaud you for that. Thank you so much for for your service in that area. And I think the question I have for you is, what inspired you to get started with podcasting in the first place? Because you clearly have a, you know, kind of a very storied background. What what really inspired you to get started? I mean, clearly you love it. You've already said that. But what, what got you started? Well... There's two versions of this story. You want the beauty contest version or you want the down and dirty version? I like deep. I'm a deep girl. So give us okay, give but, us the dirt, guy. Well, dirt and deep is not necessarily the same. Well, you give us that, the dirt right? and the deep. How's that? <laughs> okay, well, at least this is the dirt. Um, 
Okay, so at one level, you know, I feel like a moral obligation because I have been fortunate to know a lot of remarkable people so I can get to them and I can get them to be interviewed and I can bring them this meal, blah, blah, blah. That's the beauty contest, the Sandra Bullock, you know, whatever, she was the FBI agent in the beauty contest and she had to recite because every beauty contest has this like 60 second personal statement, right? And you have to talk about climate change and denting the universe. So that's that answer. But okay, so here's the real answer. So, or at least this is uh, an addition to the other answer. How's that? So I don't want people to think I'm too insipid. So I, I came out with a book called Wise Guy, and that was about four years ago. And as an author, this is prior to be being a podcaster, as an author, uh, I had this theory that basically you accept any podcast that asks you to be an interview because what the hell, you know, you just never know. So I was accepting everybody who asked me to come on their podcast. So I go to this podcast and I talk to this podcaster and, and I, you know, I'm an in, intellectually curious kind of guy. So I said, so tell me about the podcast business. Like, how does this work? And he says, well, you know, Typically, our episodes get about 200,000 to 250,000 downloads. I said, okay, I understand that. And like, what's your business model? Uh, uh, advertising. So how does advertising work? He says, well, you sell an ad pre-podcast, you sell an ad mid-podcast, and you sell an ad post-podcast. There's three ads. I said, okay, I understand that. How much do you get for each ad? He says, well, the first one is about 25 grand. second one's about 20 grand. third one's about 10 grand. So I'm adding up. 25 and 20 and 10 and I'm coming out with you know 40 50 grand I said okay so you're telling me you make 50 grand per episode and you do 52 episodes so you're telling me you make two and a half million bucks a year and you don't even get on an airplane and I'm getting on an airplane 150 times a year and I don't make two and a half million bucks what's wrong with this equation why am I a, why am I a speaker I should mm. be a podcaster and that's the day I said I got to look into podcasting because I'm doing this wrong that's the down and dirty story. There you go. Thank you, yeah. guys. I appreciate that. And I want to say to you, I actually got started virtual speaking because I was being a single mom uh, 12 years ago. And it was Steve yeah. who encouraged me a few years ago to start my first podcast. And it's really a phenomenal thing to not have to be on the road and to be yeah. able to generate massive amounts of uh, impact as well as income right from your home in yeah. your own pajamas if you want to. Well, to tell you the truth, I haven't exactly reached the point where I'm making 50,000 episodes. <laughs> oh, we, we may need to have a consultation exactly. with either me or Steve or yeah, both of us. Yeah, or both of us. Exactly. <laughs> we'll do the down and dirty version of it. <laughs> All right, let's kick it over to Jordan. Jordan, uh, male or female? I feel like I have to ask that question now because Jordan was one of those names where I'm like, I'm not really sure. Well, see, everybody has Great to swap question. out their club pod. Uh, <laughs> uh, first of all, can y'all can y'all hear me? Is my audio good? We can, and and you will be the only gentleman that we bring up to the stage here because I got to follow guys' lead on this one. Please go ahead, Jordan. Fire away right, with well, it. What's the question? Well, first I'll clarify. I'm I'm non-binary, so I do identify as gender queer. He, they pronouns. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. Shout out to guy. I really love that as a strategy. It's so important. Um, and my question, I think, kind of follows off of um, the one that came before from Angel and really thinking about how how do you take maybe like a passion podcast where you're interviewing people um, about topics that you're interested in and kind of viewing it as a way to create and share uh, ideas out to the community and and really how do you make the the change from something like that 
into a monetized form. One of the things, I guess, yeah. a concrete question is when you reach out to people to come on your show, um, you know, starting out, you don't have a budget. And so how do you kind of like cross that threshold into being able to get those bigger name people who may have a speaker fee? Well, first of all, I do not pay speaker fees. And this is, okay, I, I kid you not. This is news to me. You're telling me that podcasters pay people to come on their podcast? Uh, I, I will say unequivocally, we do not. I'm not saying that others yeah. don't, but unequivocally, we do not. Okay, so first of all, it's a good thing I... <laughs> something if Jane Goodall said, okay, guys, a quarter million to come on your podcast. Um, so no, I, I will tell you, if you look at my list of people on my podcast, not one of them ever said, you have to pay me a fee to come on your podcast. Indeed, if they did, the answer would be... Sorry. Um, so that's number one. So th that has, so, you know, take that off the table. You don't need, in my humble opinion, you don't need money to get guests. Yeah. Now the, but the deeper part of your question is, you know, how do you monetize something? And I, I have to tell you that I don't think that should be top of mind. And I, I like where you started, which is, you know, you want to create a podcast about something that you feel passionate about. Amen, baby. That's 95% of why you do it. And in, like, if lightning strikes and it happens that lots of people want to listen to it and maybe you can monetize it, hallelujah, mazel tov, as the Japanese say. But, you know, to think that, okay, so like I'm interested in surfing, but I don't see how to monetize that. So I'm going to start a podcast in customer relationship management. Well, that is so bullshit. I mean, first of all, if you don't love CRM, how are you going to have a good podcast about it? Yeah. And so if you want to, if you love surfing, do a podcast about surfing and, you know, just hope that someday O'Neill or Pearson Arrow or Firewire, you know, somebody sees that you are a force in surfing and wants to sponsor or buy advertising. But in the meantime, you know, let's face it, you get to call and talk to and meet cool surfers, which is probably part of your fantasy if you love surfing. And you get to talk to shapers about how they make their boards and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's intellectually and emotionally satisfying. I can't promise you that the money will come, but yeah. I, I don't know the real statistics, Steve. Maybe you can chime in here, but I heard something like, you know, the first, the top 2% of podcasters get something like, I don't know, 50,000 downloads per episode. And then after that, you know, the next 98% yeah. are in the hundreds and low thousands. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're getting so, 50,000 downloads an episode, I mean, you're, and here's the thing, turning a podcast into a business is, is really, really hard, Jordan. I mean, there's yeah. a, and one tenth of 1% of all podcasts are going to have the ability to turn that podcast into a business. There is the whole discussion around the business of podcasting where it becomes a component of your overall business model. And that's certainly something that we talk about quite a bit here in Club Pod. But let yeah. me just also say um, that there are three main reasons, Jordan, you know, and, and, and money is one of those reasons, but there's three main reasons to think about starting a show here. Uh, and my friend Doug Sandler, who uh, runs a show called The Nice Guys on Business, uh, four or five million downloads, he shared this with me a couple years ago. I've never forgotten about it. He said, look, you know, you really want to think about a podcast for and, and having this show and sticking with the show for one of three reasons. You're either trying to build your authority, you're trying to build your community, 
or you're trying to build your bank account. And seldom will people be able to simply build their bank account from the show. It can happen, but the reality is you're not going to be looking at it from a download perspective. You're going to look at it from the perspective of there is the business of podcasting, which you can leverage, which almost renders downloads irrelevant. And that's a conversation for another day. Let's get to Bridget. Thank you, Jordan. Hope that was helpful for you. Please, guys. Well, that's it. Guy, come on, man. You know how to reach me. Now that you're following me, we can actually talk. <laughs> so let's do that. I want that. the 30-second analysis of that. You want the 30-second analysis of what? Let's talk about it. It might be helpful for others. Of what specifically? Yeah. What's your question? Well, I mean, you say- So Guy Kawasaki, you're up next. What's your question? Okay. How do I make the number of downloads irrelevant for the financial returns of a podcast? Great question, guy. I'm really glad you asked that. So, well, so wait, do I have to change my avatar? <laughs> you you got to change it over to Club Potter after we move the question from the conversation. <laughs> so, so look, I mean, if you think about it this way, there's, there, there are shows like. Let me give you an example. And you're, you're, I mean, you're at a different point of your career. So you may be thinking about it in terms of, I just want to get off the road. I want to stop speaking. I want to be able to get to the point of having enough downloads so I can get 40, 50k per episode. That is a different game to get to that point. It's possible you're going to need to invest or you're going to need a network or you're going to need really deep pockets just to get to those sort of numbers. But for the rest okay. of, of the folks who are out there, let me give you a concrete example of what I'm talking about. So one of the, one of the uh, things that we're really great at is, is helping to brand people so that they become an icon of influence in their respective niche. Let me give you an example here. So there was a woman who had a photography business and that's what she loved to do. She loved mm-hmm. photography and she had a, 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 a business that was doing pretty good. And there were other people who were coming to her going, how are you doing as good as you're doing with your photography business? So we ended up branding her as the profitable photographer. So mm-hmm. now that's her brand. She launches a podcast called The Profitable Photographer. She launches an online course called The Profitable Photographer. And the people who download and listen to that show, 100%, it's like having a, it's, you, you'll appreciate this guy. It's like having an email open rate of 100%. And even better, <laughs> like having an email click-through rate of 100%. Because even if there's 100 downloads an episode, all 100 of those people are interested in having a profitable photography business. So what are the odds of her being able to convert those people into customers yep. who invest in relevant products, programs, and services. So and she doesn't need 50,000. She doesn't need 50,000 downloads. Exactly. It's just a different way of looking at it. And then there's for you, you know, I mean, because you've got all these high profile people, there's a lot of different ways to skin it. Another thing that I see a lot of podcasters doing very successfully is they look at it. And this, uh, again, a tip and trick from, from Doug, who I just nothing but love for you, Doug, if you're listening he taught me about the whole guest equals client conversation where you literally bring people on who you help with a very specific problem and then convert those people into high paying clients. So one of the best things that that I like doing when you're in that sort of realm is you solve a real problem for your guest and you step them through exactly what it means to solve that problem. And then at the end of the show to your audience it's a very simple call to action of, hey, if you liked what I did for Guy and you want me to come in and look at how I can help you do that too, here's my email address. You don't even need any of those fancy funnels or anything like that. Just email me and let's talk. And then, of course, after the show, you're like, hey, Guy, man, if you thought that was helpful, there's six other things we can do. 
you want to talk about them, right? So guest equals client is a whole other strategy as well. Ah, okay. Lots of tips and tricks, man. And that's so, just tip of the iceberg. So, so far, the closest thing I've come to um, guest as client is that I had the CEO founder of Madison Reed, the hair dye company. And I have a lot of gray hair, so I said, okay, can you That's know, the opposite. Let me show you my head. Can I? That's, that's where the host becomes the customer. Hair dyer. <laughs> that's the host becoming the customer. All right, guys, just so you know, the, the hand raising is open. Uh, we are limiting to the stage per guy's request, and I love this request here, to ladies only. Uh, so let's go, to, let's go to Bridget. Bridget, what's going on? Hey, well, this is awesome because I actually jumped on because my daughter, Christina, who happens to be listening right now, uh, called me on Sunday night. She was so excited to get an opportunity to ask Guy a question about the most remarkable people that <laughs> that uh, he's ever interviewed. Um, so the other thing that was kind of funny when I jumped in, you're talking about family and how if you have one child, you can, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but I'm a little Double concerned. <laughs> I'm the youngest of 16 children. Good so, Lord. I don't even I don't even know what that means for me. I can't even believe I survived that. But uh, actually, my mother was probably one of the most remarkable people I've ever met in <laughs> in my life. Just because she's still alive. She I mean, that's six. Oh, she's. She but, I mean, be, but I mean, 16 children. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, she, in all fairness, she would be 102 this year. So it's normal that she's not not still with us. But um, but yes. It, it, very amazing. Um, so I also have four kids as you were, you were chatting and I guess my question for you. And again, like I said, Christina, uh, she is the author of a book. She was an author of a book at 17. She came to me and asked me about, she wanted to understand successful people. So she wanted to interview successful people. And that's why she was so excited about talking to you, but she actually wrote a book about it, uh, about yeah. her interviews yeah. at 17. So now she's in college and she's a junior. And so let's just, just uh, we can get to others. What's your question, Bridget? Just want to make sure we can get to Cindy and Megan Daniela, please. My question is, what would you do to inspire her now as her parent? If she was your child at that age yeah. and she's done these things, what would be your advice to her? Cut her off from any allowance and make her find her own job. <laughs> She never accepted one dime from us in oh. order to write her book. So that's not a problem. <laughs> she refused. She didn't even want any help. She wanted to do well, it all on her own. In my humble opinion, when your kids are about 17, you've lost all control at that point. <laughs> yeah, she's tw yep, she's 20 now. So, so. Yeah. All right. Control is an illusion. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. What What would you do to inspire her? What would you What would you say to her? Or how How would you inspire her? Well, hmm. I I think you have to. Uh, again, this is in the category of you know, do as I say, not necessarily do as I do. I I think, and it and I don't think you start at twenty or seventeen. By the way, I think it starts at uh, maybe not day one, but day seven hundred and fifty. Um, you just have to provide a good example and you have to, you know, hammer into them. It's like my parents hammered me into, uh, hammered into me the concept of noblesse oblige that, you know, if you are fortunate, it's, it's not all about you. It's paying back the world. It's helping other people. Um, don't look down on people because as I have explained before, the person you're looking down on, I guarantee you that person can do something better than you. So, and 
that that was hammered into me um from the youngest days about obligations to pay back because you're fortunate and i came from a lower middle class family it's not like you know i had my wing in trump tower so uh yeah that's i think that's what you do and if i think that's enough i mean that's more than most people yeah all right. Thanks, Bridget. Appreciate it. And um, let's get over to Cindy Guy. How long do we have you here? I want to obviously be respectful of your time. You know, Keep going. 50,000 followers. Yeah. Sweet. Hey, by the way, are you guys, please make sure you're following Guy, because if you're not following Guy, like do it right now. And uh, and send Guy, what's your Venmo, Guy? We're going to pay you for this one. I think no, we're... I don't want money. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm yeah. the only guy. Let me tell you something. I, well, I don't know about the only, but I am one of the few people on Clubhouse who don't want you to click on my free online lesson, buy my book or anything like that. I am not here to get rich. Um, well, actually, it's a great question, and we appreciate that. So why are you here, man? Like, And what is your take on Clubhouse in general? Okay, so I'm Wait, 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 what? wait, guy. What? <laughs> Jen, it's a Jen. Hey, Jen. Before you answer that question, let's go back to when you and I first met. Do you remember yeah. when we talked about Clubhouse? No. <laughs> okay, well, I actually pulled up our conversation. Well, and let's see if I'm consistent. <laughs> yes. So when you first tell went... Me, I have to tell you and then you have to tell Okay, us. okay. And then I can tell my story. Awesome. Okay. Shit, now, now the pressure's on, Steve. Holy <laughs> oh, and Guy, pull yeah. to refresh. I'm making sure everything you say gets into Steve's podcast. Club pod, club pod, club pod. <laughs> <laughs> okay so the question is why am i on clubhouse and what am i doing here that's the question i asked you and then jen who i love just jumped in with that and it came from out of nowhere jen unmute yourself what was that the, is that the question you want guy to answer you gotta unmute yourself jen oh no we're gonna let him answer you because now he his brain might be going uh-oh so that's the question you <laughs> want him to answer though why why is guy hanging out with us here on clubhouse not just us but i mean in general Sure. Okay. Okay. So um, for me, honestly, social media, and I consider Clubhouse a form of social media, is a means to an end. And uh, I believe in what I call the Wikipedia or NPR model that um, I have to earn the right to promote stuff to my audience. And the way I believe I earn the right is to provide value through my social media. Value would be content that is informative, entertaining, analytical, so that people listen to me on Clubhouse or read my posts on social media because they get value out of it. And then I earn the right, therefore, to hit you with a promotion that I want you to listen to my podcast. And I call this the Wikipedia and NPR model because I think that Wikipedia and NPR are so successful at getting donations because they provide value to people and it creates a situation of reciprocation. There's a moral obligation to donate money to NPR and Wikipedia because they provide so much value. So I want to provide so much value. I don't want your money. I just want you to listen to my podcast. So for me, social media is a means to an end. I'm not trying to make more friends. I have one wife, four kids. That's all I can handle. And so it's a means to an end. And Clubhouse is someplace that could take off. So I am here partially defensively because, first of all, I want to grab my name on Clubhouse, 
before some 16-year-old in Shanghai grabs my name. And then I got to go figure out, you know, who at Clubhouse do I tell them that that's not really Guy Kawasaki. That's somebody who's parked on my name. And then I'd have to reach out to Mark Andreessen and beg him to contact the CEO to kick that person out and put me in. I don't want to deal with all that aggravation. So, so I grab my name and uh, now I'm here and I'm trying to amass followers by providing value. And hopefully Clubhouse takes off and it's a good investment. Yeah. Jen, is that in line with what, with what you heard? Uh, a, a little bit. <laughs> close, close. I'm going to, uh, first, Guy and I had so much fun. Like, we laughed so much. So I had only been on Clubhouse for a week. And Guy and I met on January 6th. And at that time, Steve, you had mm -hmm. just opened Club Pod. And so... I was, I had already looked for Guy on Clubhouse and he had 600 followers on January 6th. And Club Pod had 5,000 followers. So I was so enamored with Clubhouse that I was sharing with Guy the benefits of being on Clubhouse. He had been on one time. And Guy, do you remember that you said you didn't really understand it? and why people would go there. But then when I shared about Club Pod and how fast it had grown, you were like, oh, tell me more. Mm. And now you have 27,000 plus followers on here in two months. Yeah. Is that good? That's It's pretty good. I mean, you know, you're no, you're, you're no Mark Andreessen, but you're doing pretty good, man, in the scheme of things. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, you're not even Harry Stebbings from that standpoint, but who of us are? We got to figure out how to get plugged in on, on when people sign up. They just automatically throw those people in the loop there, man. So thanks, Jen. And, and Guy, let me so ask you Jen, this. Yeah, please. Jen, you know, your your interpretation of what I said and what I said is not that different. <laughs> right? I mean, no, and like that's why I said what you said. It, it, it was close. It was just a little bit more to it then. Well, but now I understand it more. But I mean, I thought you were going to say that I told you that I'm on Clubhouse to uh, make the world a better place. Well, you did say that too. <laughs> no, I didn't. There's no <laughs> way that I said that. There is no that. way that I said that. No, you definitely didn't. <laughs> okay. All right, guy. Let me let me ask you this. Thanks, Jen. Before we uh, get to, to Cindy, who would be next here, so let's let's talk about Clubhouse and then just sort of your. I mean, you've got your finger on the pulse of of technology, and you've been involved with a number of companies that have done very very well. So how how do you personally then distinguish between disruptive technologies that that will only end up having momentary impact, a la Meerkat or Vine or, or Periscope Hello. or these sort of things or, or Blab, ex exactly, and, and, and those that have the potential for sustainability and longevity. Okay. I'll tell you how you can do this with 100% accuracy, okay? You wait four years, and then you say, I told you so. <laughs> So 2023, and we should reconvene, and then we'll... Uh, 2023, I'm going to say, yep. I told you Clubhouse was going to be I told you Clubhouse was going to fail. <laughs> or if it succeeds, I'm going to say, I told you Clubhouse was going to rock it. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. listen, I 
this I'm the guy who quit Apple twice and turned Steve Jobs down for a job. I turned down Sequoia Capital for the opportunity to interview for the first CEO position of Yahoo. Those four decisions right there cost me two and a half billion dollars. Yeah, but look okay? at you now. I would not to be on Clubhouse <laughs> if I had made two and a half billion dollars. My personal assistant's personal assistant's personal assistant would be Guy Kawasaki on Clubhouse <laughs> acting like me. Okay, just yeah. FYI. Uh, so hilarious. I'm telling you that nobody can predict this. I could build a case that Clubhouse has uh, occupied a very important and growing niche that no other service can provide because it's audio only. And people like the talk show slash conference slash podcast, you know, atmosphere of Clubhouse. Or I could make the case that Twitter is working on spaces and Facebook is going to copy this because what else does Facebook do? And Microsoft is going to have, you know, Microsoft hot house or something. They're going to mm. copy this and there's going to be 16 different ways to do the same thing as Clubhouse. And Clubhouse is going to get slaughtered just like Meerkat and Periscope got slaughtered. Mm -hmm. So, and Elo. Yeah. Pick one. I really don't know. I mean, the way it works in Silicon Valley is we throw a lot of shit up against the wall and... 1% of it sticks, and we go up to the wall, we paint the bullseye around what's stuck, and we say, gang, I hit the bullseye. <laughs> I hit the bullseye. Yeah. And if, let me tell you, if you know any VCs, you know, so let's suppose you know some VCs, right? You know, big swaggering, I won't say, uh, of Silicon Valley. And, and you go up to them and you say, so how did you know you should invest in Apple? How did you know you should have invested in Cisco? How did you know Facebook? How did you know Instagram? How did you know Pinterest? How did you know Salesforce? And they're going to say, well, I'm a venture capitalist. I know how to recognize great teams in great markets with great technology. And then you ask them, well, then why did you also invest in pets.com where $400 million went into pets.com so that people could buy dog food online? Mm. And you know what the VC will say? The VC will say, I told my dumbass partners not to do pets.com. It's not my fault. I picked the winners in my firm. Yeah. That's how Silicon Valley works. Yeah. Now I get it, man. And and let's let's go to Cindy who has been patiently waiting. Cindy, what's going on? Hey there. Well, first, Steve, let me say thanks for creating this space and being such a leader in this new platform. And you happen to mention about icons. So for anybody out there listening, highly recommend Steve's Icon Maker program if you're looking to be an icon. And Guy, thank you, <laughs> thank you for, for that. recognizing. Yeah, hey, you deserve it. And uh, thanks so much for recognizing and acknowledging about women's voices historically being silenced. That really struck a chord with me. I did a TEDx talk recently on the rise of the feminine voice. So thank huh. you for that. And my question, and I guess you pick your choice, I know I only get one. So other than the obvious, like having a high quality podcast program on an interesting issue, you know, on something that matters, <laughs> I'm looking for your hottest tips for attracting and securing high profile guests, or alternatively, you get to pick hottest tips for getting traction for increased visibility for a podcast. Okay, I can answer the first one, I cannot answer the second one. So we'll let Steve do the second one. So uh, my tips for getting great guests. Um, I have two. One of them is more applicable to most people than the other. Okay. So the first one is, I think it starts by getting great first, second, and third guests. So in my case, okay, this is how lucky I am. All right. So I've come to believe that it's not important who you know. What's important is who knows you. And that's a very important distinction. 
And so let me tell you a story. So one day I get an email from the person who runs TEDx in Palo Alto. I don't know her, but she knows who I am. Okay. So she reaches out and she says, I'm, you know, the person who's in charge of TEDx Palo Alto. And in a few weeks, we have Jane Goodall coming. I would like you to interview her on stage. I don't know this person from Adam, okay? I don't know Jane Goodall from, I mean, I know she is, but I don't know her personally. And so I say, well, holy shit. I mean, you know, I, 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 it literally cost me tens of thousands of dollars to do that because I had a paid gig, which I then backed out of because I said, how many times in your life can you be on stage with Jane Goodall? I mean, this is Jane freaking Goodall. This is not Joe Blow of Blow Enterprises who wrote the book, The Blow Away. This is Jane freaking Goodall. So I go on stage with Jane Goodall and we really hit it off. Fast forward, I start a podcast. So I'm thinking, well, who can I you know, just put a stake in the ground to tell Joe Rogan and the whole world that guy is in town? Who could be the ideal first guest? Well, there's a handful of people. There's Jane Goodall, Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, Desmond Tutu. That's about it. Okay, that's about it. And Or Richard Branson, maybe. So because I know Jane Goodall, because someone knew who I was, I reach out to Jane Goodall. She says yes to my utter amazement. And my first guest is Jane Goodall. So now, every time I invite someone to be on my show, I say, well, you know, in the past, I've had guests like Jane Goodall. And very few people say, oh, big freaking deal. You had Jane Goodall. I'm more important and more remarkable than Jane Goodall. So far, nobody has told me that. So I guess the tip is, you know, you got to start strong. I mean, it's better to start strong and uh, delay your podcast and to start weak. Because once you get Jane Goodall, let me tell you, I can tell you from first-hand experience, you get a Jane Goodall, and then you get a Margaret Atwood, and then you get an Ariana Huffington, and then you get a Martha Stewart, and then you get a Steve Wozniak. It's easy to get people after that. It's nothing. So that's tip number one. Tip number two, what I have noticed, the slam dunk for getting relatively famous people is to work with the publicity departments of, of publishers. Because when even a MacArthur Award winner, uh, a famous author is prone to say yes, actually probably the publicist says yes, the author doesn't even know. But when an author is introducing a new book, most authors will take almost any request because they are looking for ways to spread out the news that they have a new book. And in a pandemic, guess what? Now you could do five, 10 interviews a day before uh, on a book tour. It's a two-week book tour and you fly to Chicago in the morning. You do the morning show. You do a book signing. You do an afternoon drive show. And then you fly to the next city, right? So in that day that you were in Chicago, you could do one or two interviews. Well, guess what? Now, when everybody's using virtual... Uh, interviews like this, holy cow, you could do a whole lot more. So now if you're an author and you have a publicist or your publisher has a publicist, those people are looking for opportunities to be on podcasts. And so that is the low hanging fruit of podcasting right now. Yeah. Really, really sage advice. Thanks, Cindy. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and I have to tell you guy, yeah. um, what you don't want and what I don't understand is why people go after the low-hanging fruit. You know why? Because the low-hanging fruit 
is not right. Is not right. Yep. It's, it's the, the high hanging fruit. That's where it's yummy and that's where it's delicious. Yep. And you want to hear something funny? Nope. That's the shit you told me during our interview, man, and I never what, forgot. For the high hanging fruit? <laughs> yeah, I was like, because I said that to you. I was like, well, that's, you, you know, you got to go after that low hanging fruit. And you're like, nope. <laughs> well, I mean, you don't want to go after the low hanging fruit. 99% of the world hears low hanging fruit and they think, you know, that's the easy one, right? Oh, man. But, okay, so, so if you want to be biologically correct, you go after the high hanging fruit, which is the author who has a ripe book. Yeah. And, 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 and well, but, it, but here's the thing, right? It's like, that's the power of a conversation. That's the power of a single sentence. That's when you just simply don't know how a simple sentence coming out your mouth can impact people for the rest of their lives. I seriously remember that from the time I interviewed Guy Kawasaki, <laughs> almost whatever it was, eight, 10 years ago. And to this day, I never tell anyone to grab the low hanging fruit. And I, and I say, you know why? Because Guy Kawasaki told me you want the, high. so here, man, I'm throwing it right back at you. So if I ever hear you say low hanging fruit again, man, we're going to have, we're going to have words. Well, uh, holy shit. Because I- <laughs> all those years you told me I can't say it and then here you are saying it. So I'm like, oh man, you know, you just never okay, know. But no, but Steve, I mean, to my defense, if I had said, okay, so the high hanging fruit <laughs> Of podcast guests. I would have understood. All, you. <laughs> yeah, you would have. Well, what about the other 400 people here? I would have completely understood what you were saying. Okay. You would have validated me, man. All right, yeah. let's um, let's do this. By the way, if you guys are enjoying the conversation here, um, Guy's not going anywhere. We're just going to do this for the next six hours, I think is pretty much what we got in store. Uh, we're just going to keep building up Guy's following, so please make sure you're following <laughs> Guy. Uh, if you're not in Club Pod right now, I see a lot of the newbies here, which is awesome with the celebration symbol. Please make sure you're following Club Pod, just put your little thumb on that greenhouse there. Wait, uh, wait, yes, please. Wait, yes, please. Yes, what, please. What is the celebration sim? What? Ooh, we're teaching Guy Kawasaki something new. All right, so let's go. So let's go down. We got to go down. Scroll down. All right, so if you go down to the others in the room, you'll see Jenny with the very cool cartoon profile picture. Yeah. On yeah. the left side, she's got that little party popper. So that's the party popper, the celebration symbol, whatever you want to call it. Christina has it. Evonique has it. So those are all of the people like Sam and so on and so forth. Those are all the people who are fairly new, which means they are uh, less than one week in to their clubhouse experience. I have always wondered what that was. I thought it was some like solidarity for breast cancer or, <laughs> you know, cultural literacy of Black Lives Matter. That's what that is? So, so now that I will never forget low-hanging fruit versus high-hanging fruit, you will never forget... Huh. what that little symbol means. And you can always so, tie it back to today's conversation. So the, the people with that symbol are... Brand spanking new. They're high-hanging fruit <laughs> they because they're probably looking for people to follow. <laughs> exactly. So you all need to be following Jin, follow Guy, <laughs> follow me. As a matter of fact, let me step you through real quick. So when you follow Guy, make sure that when you do that next to his little follow button, you click the bell because you'll see a bell next to his name. So that means when you turn the bell on that you will receive notifications of when Guy goes live and he goes into rooms and so on. So if you like what Guy is saying and you want to hear more from him, that's how you get notified when Guy goes live. Okay, so yeah. I, so sing- I learned two things tonight. You did. High-hanging fruit. <laughs> Celebration. Well, three simple. things. Three things. That way. Yeah, right? Um, and, yeah. and Yeah, and so for those of you who are new and hanging out with us for the first time here in Club Pod, again, put your little thumb on that greenhouse at the top. Join us. We are doing all kinds of fun things in 2021 here in Club Pod. Uh, lots of sit-downs with people that you know, lots of sit-downs with people that you don't. And we've got rooms going almost all of the time here, talking about podcasts, podcast culture, the world of podcasting. Tomorrow, I'm sitting down 
uh, with Kim Commando, the tech goddess herself, America's tech goddess. If you don't know Kim, she's been in the game for a long time and is we're going to do a welcome party for Kim. So we're going to welcome Kim to Clubhouse. How exciting is that to be able to welcome people? And we're going to do that at 11 a.m. Pacific tomorrow. So come by, say hello. Uh, and also, you may not be familiar with me, so just really quick, I'm Steve Olsher, the founder and editor-in-chief of Podcast Magazine. I've actually been a podcaster since 2009 when we launched our first episode of Reinvention Radio. And I want you to join us on the Podcast Magazine journey if you're not yet a subscriber. So simply go to podcastmagazine.com forward slash free. And it's a private backdoor link that you can use to get a free lifetime subscription. So all of that being said, thank you for being here. Great hanging out. Hit the plus sign at the bottom. Let's get some more people in. So when you put your thumb on that plus sign, that'll then bring up the people that are in your network. Bring some people in. Let's get guys some more followers. Here's where we're at. So Guy is at 27,600 followers right now. Let's get Guy to 28,000. Like, that's my goal. Let's get Guy to 28 today. So hit that plus sign, bring people in, and then we're going to have him follow Guy. And for whatever reason, that 28,000 is going to make the biggest difference in his life. And then he's going to be forever grateful for all of us. And, and there we go. All right, Meg, what's your question before I start putting my foot in my mouth even more than I already am? <laughs> well, hi, Jen and Steve and Guy. I am a mother of eight, and uh, my son applied to UCLA, so I hope he gets to hear back soon from that there. Um, uh, Guy, I am wondering, what does Beth think is your strongest quality, and what and what uh, quirk does she tease you about? Well, I got to mute my mic while I laugh. <laughs> and what is what? And why do you podcast? But I wanted to ask a, a fun question too. What what? Does my wife think my strongest quality is? Yes. And what quirk does she tease you about? Jeez. Well, you know, we need a producer to screen the questions before they come on. Um. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Jen, I give that to you. I don't know. I'm just playing. Meg's, that, no, that's a great question. I, I hope that my wife thinks that my strongest quality is the ability to work my ass off. I, I hope my kids think that. I hope you think that. I hope my wife thinks that. that. You know, Guy's secret power is his ability to grind it out. Nice. What was the, sec- what was the second question? Oh, and why do you podcast? Um, I podcast because, well, there's, there's, we, we had this story before, but <laughs> there's sort of levels depending on how you want to look at it. So at one level, I truly do believe I have been given uh, a blessing that I know a lot of people and I can get them to be on my podcast. So I have I am a channel from which we can get remarkable information from remarkable people to everyone so that everybody can be a little bit more remarkable. So I kind of feel like I have a moral obligation to get that remarkable knowledge out. That's at one very high level. At another level, I really, really don't want to travel anymore. And I would like podcasting to replace public speaking for me. Now, that theory was prior to the pandemic. Now we cannot travel, so it doesn't matter. So I, you know, I have not been on an airplane since, I don't know, last February or March. And if it were up to me, I would never get on another airplane. So um, I would like to do my you know, my, first of all, my personal mantra, why I exist is to empower people. 
And so before I used to say, I want to empower people with my writing, my speaking, my investing, my advising. And now I just added podcasting to that list. That's awesome. Thanks, Meg. And uh, let's do this. So I'm going to turn the hand. Yeah, okay. So the hand raising is open just for a second. We can get one more woman up on the stage here to ask guy a question. We'll open it up for one more woman because I like how Guy said he only brings ladies up on his stages. So one more lady who would like to ask a question uh, and then we will wrap after the last woman to ask a question. So Daniela, what is going on? What's your question for Guy? My gosh, I still can't believe that I'm on the stage with Guy Kawasaki, okay? <laughs> huge, huge. I feel like a little girl. Oh, my gosh. So, anyway. <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so. I feel like in November an old man. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. You, you are amazing. In November 2017, I was basically um, homeless, alone, left by my husband. And I took your course on Udemy. And ever since I started a business, and your model is my foundation. So thank you. What kind of business? I am a transition and transformation coach. I help women who have gone through difficulties like mine to dare to dream again. And I use the word evangelism and tell them, just sell your dream. So thank you. I just needed to say that that you... You changed my life because well, I believe that I, mean, I could, that's and gratifying. I did. Thank you. And I know I have to get to my question. You <laughs> can stop so, there. Oh, okay. I'll just no, I'm the kidding. Same. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful, I by the way, it. Daniela. That's so. I mean, really, that's beautiful. Um, it and 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 it's rippled. It's rippled because I've I've serviced over sixty women. I'm writing a course. And it's all based on evangelism and your mantra, your personal mantra. My personal mantra is to inspire women to dream. And I'm starting a podcast there to dream again. So there you go. This was, this was meant to you be. Go, girl. This was happening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So my question. Yes, I will shut up now. Um, <laughs> so who is a woman that you highly admire because she dared to dream? And she was able to sell that dream that you would okay. like to interview this, on your podcast. And this why? This is easy. Mm-hmm. So if so, if God said to me, guy, I'll give you one guess. Pick any guest in the world. It has to be alive, obviously. I'll give you one guess. So my first response would probably be Michelle Obama. But before I said that, I would probably pull that back and I would say, okay, God, you're going to give me one guess. I want it to be Stacey Abrams. I think Stacey Abrams may have saved democracy. So if anybody out there knows Stacey Abrams. <laughs> We're working on it. Guy, yeah, I would really love to get Stacey Abrams. Okay. There you go. Daniela, thank you so much. Let's kick it over to Julie. Thank Julie. You. Yes, you're very welcome. Julie, question. Can, can, can I, you know, Steve. Yes, please. Um, Daniela, I was ready to get pierced in my heart because uh, I have been on Clubhouse multiple times. Daniela, you'll love this. So I've been on Clubhouse multiple times where people say, you know, I was lost and I, I was, you know, I was really in trouble. I didn't have any direction. And I read your book and I, you know, I saw your video and you changed my life. And then the next thing they say, I kid you not, one out of five times or so, they say, 
yeah, rich dad, poor dad changed my life. And I'm like, oh, shit. Wow. Kawasaki, not Kawasaki. Wow. It happens all the time. That so hurts. people, if you look at my profile, read the bottom where it says, <laughs> I did not write rich dad, poor dad. So I love Danielle that. Said it was really me that just made my day. Oh. Well, I have to tell you, because usually when I quote you and I say, no, you're not going to market your brand, you're going to evangelize your brand. And I tell them, you know, the, the background of it, and they go, oh, that's the guy from Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I go, no. <laughs> oh, you're killing me, Daniel. I, I know, I, and I always correct them. I got to stand, I got to stand firm on that. And I tell them all about you, and I go, go to you to me, quick two and a half hours, that will change your life. And your business model, oh, thank, so. you. thank you thank you thank you so much it's been an That's honor awesome. and such a pleasure thank you guys so much for this thank space. you i, welcome, I actually i'm trying to get robert kiyosaki to come on clubhouse with me so i can prove that you know, <laughs> that you're two, two different people two different people <laughs> yeah they think we're the same oh man uh julie let's fire away and then uh audrey and bridget then we'll we'll close out so let's make it popcorn style here and what's your question Hi, well, thank you so much for bringing me up. Um, I won't go into the fangirl stuff, but suffice it to say that feel I'm free, really excited. Feel free, feel free. Guy doesn't <laughs> mind. If, hey, look, you know, if guy doesn't mind, feel free, have at it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really psyched. Um, so I am a newbie podcaster. Um, the space that I work in is medical devices. Um, so I have a podcast focused on that. But, you know, when we started the podcast before all the pandemic happened, we had all these grand plans about, you know, going to South by Southwest yeah. and, you know, all of the places that all of these sort of really innovative things are happening in our space. And so I'm also happen to be based in Austin, Texas. And so I was just curious, you know, with the pandemic and everything that we've gone through with online events, um, kind of taking over our world, where are you seeing those innovative conversations happening? I mean, certainly Clubhouse is one, um, you know, I'm fairly new to the platform, but I'm just wondering where else you're kind of going for that South by Southwest kind of vibe. Oh man, it, I, I listen, South by Southwest is probably my favorite conference of the year. Although every even year there's the international auto show now in Munich, <laughs> but in general, uh, South by Southwest, there's only two conferences I will go without being paid to go South by Southwest and the international auto show in Munich. Um, I, I don't know how you replace South by Southwest in a virtual sense because South by Southwest is just magic. It truly it is. is magical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it really. What I like about South by Southwest the most is that there are hardly any billionaires walking around there with their freaking personal entourages wearing their Patagonia sweaters. You know, I mean, I just love South by Southwest. So I, I don't know if it can be replaced. And there's part of me that wishes it cannot be replaced. Um, and, I, you know, I could make the case that if you took the sum total of all the TEDx videos, that's a pretty good, you know, way of remaining relevant and creative and knowing what's happening in the world. I think TEDx is a, a fantastic service for intellectual stimulation. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. Hope to see you at South by. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have some bar beak. You let's do it. Thanks, Julie. All right, Audrey, what's your question for guy? Hey, awesome. Thank you for um, allowing me this opportunity. Guy, what people would be unremarkable. How could they get, on your show we can't okay thank you 
Now, yeah, so what's your, what's your give back though to um the up and coming? That's my real question. Thank you. Well, but see, okay, so I mean, you asked a very specific question. You said they were unremarkable, and I said they can't. But listen, my podcast is called Remarkable People, not Rich People, and not Famous People. So you can be not rich and not famous and still remarkable. Arguably, it's probably easier to be remarkable if you're not rich and famous. So, you know, case in point, I don't know, if the CEO of Goldman Sachs asked to be on Remarkable People, probably the answer is no, because like, you know, what does an investment banker do that makes the world a better place? Nothing. So, um, you know, I know probably one of you knows the CEO of Goldman Sachs, but uh, so I, it, on the other hand, I'll tell you, I had a woman on Remarkable People who was smuggled across the U.S.-Mexico border by coyotes uh, as a baby. She you know, lands in San Diego, reunited with her parents, who were also smuggled across the border. They drive up to the Bay Area. They live in a house and with 15 other people. And today she's working for Adobe in marketing. Okay, her name is Martha Nino. And so I think that is a remarkable story. So she's not rich, she's not famous yet, but that's a great, great story. How you were smuggled across the border, illegal citizen for 15 years, and now you're an executive at Adobe? I think that's a great story. So what I'm trying to tell you is I'm looking for remarkable people, not rich people, not famous people. Now, if you're rich and famous, I won't hold that against you. But that's not why you're going to be in my podcast. There you go. Awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Audrey. And, you know, it's interesting. So to that end, the, the reality is for us as podcasters to find people who are famous or whose stories have been told time and time again, like that's, not, that's not hard to do because we know who they are. Honestly, the, the hard thing to do is to find people like you, Audrey, and others that the world hasn't heard from a million times. As a matter of fact, to this day, one of our most popular episodes of Reinvention Radio ever is where we had these four uh, fairly young women on. They were, I think, in their first or second year of college uh, at this point. They're known as the Lucci Quadruplets. And it was only their second media appearance ever. They did one small show, and then they came in studio to do Reinvention Radio. And I remember they were just so nervous, and they were shaking, and they were holding the microphone, and it was just, it was, it was, I mean, it was in hindsight just so amazing to see how nervous they were, but they were really nervous because they had such an important mission and message to share. What they, what they were sharing was the message of the atrocities that take place in the foster care system. I'm not going to yeah. go into the whole detail about this, that, and the other, but I just want you to know that to this day, that's been one of our most popular and most highly downloaded episodes ever, and no one knew who they were. And for us to be able to find them and bring them on and almost be the the outlet that kind of broke their story, like that's really a feather in our cap, so to speak. And yeah. so there are a lot of podcasters like us, Audrey, you know, that that are actually looking for those, as Guy said, remarkable people that are doing amazing work in the world and that haven't been heard from a million times over. Yeah, that is, that is so satisfying to do. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm always on the hunt for people like that. And the, the way I find people like that is that people who listen to my podcast say, you know, you never heard of her or you never heard of him, but you should get this person on. And 
um, that's my kind of lead system. Yeah. I, will, I will tell you another angle though. There's another angle where, and I did this recently. So I interviewed Melissa Bernstein. So those of you with kids, you have probably bought a Melissa and Doug toy. Uh, they specialize in really simple puzzles that have you know texture to them, like the sheep has fur on it. So Melissa and Doug toys. And so, you know, the Nat, when I turned on the recorder, I thought this was going to be another female entrepreneur business podcast, right? Like, how did you start Melissa and Doug? You know, how did you raise money? How did you get your initial sales? What happened? You know, tell us the story of driving around Connecticut in your car, trying to sell your toys and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, so I, I get her book and I read the book before I interview her because, you know, I do my research, right? And the book is like nothing about the formation of Melissa and Doug. It is about her transition where she says that for the first 50 years of her life, she was living kind of a fake life and she had so many questions and doubts and she was, you know, mentally anguished and depressed. And, you know, she felt like she had um, just hypersensitivities and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so she became a poet to express this. And so she has written hundreds of poems. And I tell you, I've never interviewed somebody where just off the top of their head, I could just ask a question and she recites a six line poem that she wrote 25 years ago. It's, it was, I told her in my podcast, I said, you are like Muhammad Ali. You're like the Jewish female Muhammad Ali. You can just whip off poems like that. And so, you know, that to me is just as good as discovering someone nobody knows is to discover a story or a side of person of a person that everybody thinks they know and they are just shocked that you know this is the real story yeah appreciate that bridget what's your question for guy go ahead and unmute yourself nice job switching over the club pod image there like it like it <laughs> go ahead and uh unmute yourself otherwise we're gonna have to Get rolling here. Come on, Bridget. You can do it. Hit the microphone. It's right there. I'll play some music. There you go. You play that while we... Okay, exactly. All right. <laughs> I got it. I got you it. got, got it. it. Yay. <laughs> All right. This, this is my first time actually being on the speaker platform. Ever. Welcome. I'm very new. So thank you, Steve and Jen and Guy. And um, I've learned so much in the last hour. It's incredible. So I'm very new to podcasting. Um, and my question, I am, uh, I have a business that has several branches to it. So I'm a professional singer, songwriter, but I also do healing work and I do a lot of work with the elderly with music. So my question to you is, uh, how do you, how do you focus your podcast and be able to include all the branches of what you do? Does that make sense? Um, what, you mean you have branches that are totally unrelated to music? I do. Well, it's not clear to me that that's the right thing to do. Uh, it, it, you know, I think that um, the way it it should work is that your your people should come to identify your podcast for you'd be lucky. Let me put it this way: I think you would be lucky if people recognize that your podcast 
is about this subject as opposed to wondering what it's about. So um, to use a car analogy, you know, you'd be lucky to, th if, if I were Volvo, Volvo is synonymous with safety, right? So yeah. if I were Volvo, I'd say, thank you God that people understand Volvo equals safety as opposed to Volvo equals sexy, Volvo equals economic, Volvo equals green, you know, whatever. So, you know, most people can't get people to identify their podcast with one thing. And so if you get the one thing, you know, stick with it. Um, I'm not sure that you should try to be all things to all people because I think that is too hard. And to use a business analogy, because you may find this a weird segue, but you know, a lot of people ask me, so you know, how do we how do we achieve worldwide domination? How do we are the next Apple trillion dollar company? How do we have a iPhone, iPod, iPad, Apple retail, App Store, all this kind of stuff? How do we become Microsoft with OS, apps, games, you know, all this stuff? And my take on this is that, you know, at the inception of any company or podcast you have to knock over one bowling pin at a time. And the first bowling pin may be operating system or it could be personal computer, or in your case, it could be music. So, you know, just focus on knocking over that one bowling pin. And then you may decide that you want to take on another bowling pin. And then maybe one day you are a, you know, you, you just dominate podcasting in general. But I think it starts by knocking down one pin. And it's better to knock down one pin than have 10 pins, 10% wobbling. Okay. that That's really helpful. Thank you. Yeah, it's well, really good. Really sage agrees. <laughs> What's that? Let's see if Steve agrees. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's really, really sage advice. And, and, and at the end of the day, like if you think about it, even like Deepak Chopra, I, I love using him as an example. You know, when, when Deepak came to the States and started doing what he was doing like way back when, People thought, as let's just say, the majority of people kind of felt like eh, that guy's kind of out there, you know, like he's doing all this, what you know, spiritual, like yeah, he's kind of out there. But yet there was a very small segment of the population that was like, oh man, I love that message. And I really resonate with what he's talking about and what he's doing. But you have to remember that was a very, very, very small segment of the population. So if you're using guys analogy of the pins, you know, that was one of the pins in terms of the, if you look at the, the 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 picture as a whole, he was shooting for that one particular pin. He knew who he was. He knew what he wanted to do, and that's where he was going to focus. Today, Deepak could sell you a cookbook. I mean, like if he said these are the these are the best recipes to do this, that, or the other, you'd be like, okay. He could sell you a calendar of him, you know, doing different poses January through December, and people would be like, give me that calendar. So, <laughs> but the reality is, when he first started, he was very specific to that particular pin using guys analogy. And it's a great way to look at it. You know, like if I was starting a, a, a podcast today, it wouldn't be reinvention radio because it's meaningless. It's, it, it's, it's fairly useless in the scheme of things. And because discovery is such an important piece of the podcast puzzle. And the reality is, sorry, Bridget, but you're not Will Ferrell. You're not going to show up on Jimmy Kimmel, Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Fallon on the same night when you release season two of the Ron Burgundy podcast, like you, how do you compete with that? And the answer is you don't. So you have to think about it in terms of who are the people going all the way back to where we started an hour and a half ago, who are the people that you are most compelled to serve? And what is the biggest problem that they have that you can solve? And what are they searching for when they're looking for those solutions? Because that's what your podcast needs to be called. 
And I know it's not sexy. I know it's not glamorous. I know it's not going to be this cutesy little name, you know, whales and tails or whatever. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the point is it's going to be something that people are actually going to find. And be Deepak Chopra down the line, sell cookbooks and calendars. But for right now, <laughs> you need to start with something that people are actually going to find, okay? I got it. I, the, okay. What you both said just like made it super, super clear. I got it. Good. And, and can I, uh, in the in the name of intellectual honesty, this theory of knocking down one bowling pin at a time and then turning around and all- <laughs> Not even yours. Uh, I'm sorry? Is it not yours? No, it's not. <laughs> Who uh, says it? Um, that is stolen from Jeffrey Moore. There you go. Jeffrey oh. Moore is a great author. He wrote uh, Crossing the Chasm. So yeah. in, in Crossing the Chasm, he basically says, you know, you don't get to dominate Main Street by knocking down all of Main Street at once. you got to knock down one corner or one pin at a time. So mm. you need to attribute that to Jeffrey Moore, not Guy Kawasaki. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thanks, and Bridget. You, you- yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for bringing me up. Yep, yep. All right. Appreciate you. And and that is actually something, and that's a lesson that we can all learn here, especially on Clubhouse, because you're going to hear a lot of really, really sage advice from a lot of people. And I will tell you that the best teachers are perpetual students. Like, I consider myself to be a teacher 10% of the time and a student 90% of the time. And so, yeah, I have my own frameworks and things that I do, but... When you do come up with frameworks or teachings that you learn and you glean from others, just as like I did early on when I was talking about Doug Sandler and how he taught me about build community, build authority, or build your bank account in terms of three main reasons to start a podcast, what Guy just did there is modeled for you how you can do that in a really beautiful way and attribute when somebody else gives you information that you then share with others. It's really easy to do, and I wish more people would do exactly what Guy just did in that moment. And it's just that easy. So thank you for doing that guy. All right. Let's, um, yeah, right. <laughs> Little did I know that I was such a good person. Hey. Just now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do this, man. I, I really would love to go all, you know, all night here with you, but out of respect actually for my, my own family and voice. And I gotta, by the way, I did start club Anon, Um, and so club Anon is our club for the people who, um, need to, to recover from what's going on here. Uh, if you'd like to join us getting no, on plan, but I need to actually I need to start that, I think, because I clearly club? have an issue. Yeah, are you serious? You have Club Anon? No, I need to. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm saying that, that is a brilliant name. Thank you. Yeah, I need to I need to start that because the you number... hurry up. I know, right? already registered. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, I'm on Clubhouse right now. I can't even go grab that domain. Damn it! I, All right. I already own it. You own it. <laughs> I got .org. Yeah, you do. Dot .club. You got them all. EU. Yeah, you got yeah. them all. All right, my friend. I appreciate you. Guy, any, uh, any final words before we make this official and do the exit here on uh, on Reinvention Radio? Well, I just got. I just want to have one more shout out here. So I see that Jeff C, who's at the bottom on the left side, Jeff C is the sound design engineer god behind the Remarkable People podcast. Oh, there he is. So What's up, Jeff? Like the sound design of Remarkable People podcast. Give all credit to Jeff C. If you think that the pauses between sentences is too short it's because i cut out filler words with too bold a stroke it's not jeff's fault it's my fault it's your fault (laughs) so the thing that we learned today more than anything else is guy has ocd (laughs) that's that's the moral of the story i really do (laughs) i really do i just i you know i don't know about you but um 
I use something called Descript, and what Descript does is it creates a transcription of the podcast, and then I edit the text to edit the audio, which is that's just freaking genius. I don't know how I would edit a podcast without Descript. And Descript has this thing that says, you know, find all the filler words. So it finds all the ums, uhs, right, you know. Mm. And when you say but, 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 it'll highlight the three buts that you don't want and just keep the but that you, no pun intended, that the but that you need. And so I love using Descript and I just like wipe out. I, I will tell you, some of the most remarkable and articulate people in the world, if you looked at their transcript, they would say something like right or you know hundreds of times yeah. in an hour hundreds of times yeah and yeah so it's I interesting because we <laughs> right because you, you and i are like complete opposite ends of the spectrum because i'm doing this right now uh on the roadcaster doing it live here on clubhouse i do all my all my podcasts here on clubhouse live like i don't even do them anymore the way that i used to i hit record played the reinvention radio intro I'm going to play the exit. I'm going to hit record so it stops. And I'm going to take that file. And I'm going to send it out. No, no editing. No, and nothing. And that's your podcast? And this is the podcast. You have just witnessed. This is like, this is so meta. <laughs> Talk huh. about meta. You've well, just. What would people like Jeff do in the world if everybody did it that way? Well, you know, he's got a really great beard. I mean, he could definitely do a course <laughs> on, on growing awesome beards. That's a killer beard, Jeff. Uh, Look at that. I, I'm trying to get Madison Reed to sponsor his beard. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make this official. Guy, don't go away, but let's end this episode of Reinvention Radio. Don't go away. We'll hold on uh, just for another second here. If you guys are listening to the podcast episode, which obviously you are, because here you are hearing my voice in this moment, which of course is very meta in that as well. Join us live on Clubhouse in Club Pod. Come join us there as we sit down with people like Pat Flynn, Johnny Lee Dumas, Guy Kawasaki, Kim Commando, Michael Stelzner, you name it. We're sitting down with them all the time here in Club Pod. Rooms are going almost all day, every day. We'd love for you to join that conversation. We'll talk to you guys next time here on Reinvention Radio. Thanks, Guy. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com.